Welcome to In Her Image, a podcast where we seek and celebrate our mother God through scripture, myth, theology, scholarship, and the arts. I'm your host, Meg Ritmanik, and today I'm very excited because we have a legendary woman with us, Pam England. Pam England was a nurse, midwife, and author that you may know of, Birthing from Within, an ancient map for modern birth. She is a founder of Birth Story Medicine and the first and only birth story school. Through three decades of studying ancient myths, being with the Sumerian myth of Inanna, queen of heaven and earth, Pam developed an approach to understanding our life and birth stories through myth and the archetype of initiation. Hello, Pam. Thank you so much for coming and being with us. I'm so excited to have this interview. Thank you, Meg, for inviting me. I'm excited to share. Yes, it's it's going to be so wonderful. Um, so today you are going to share the story of Anana, and I'm just so excited about this. Um series that we're putting together about Anana because in the story of Anana has really affected my life and has been an incredible way for me to find meaning and healing. And I know that she has for your life as well. So why don't you just tell me a little bit of how you came to find Anana and what that looked like? Sure. Well, about 40 years ago, there was a very short and annotated version of um of Anana's descent. I, I don't know where I read it in a magazine. It may have been in response to um a book coming out about her by Diane Wolkstein and Noah Kramer. I'm not sure. But I do remember when I read it, I went, what does this mean? Why do they have such crazy names? What is this all about? And I was kind of like, why can't people just say what they mean? And I was completely unfamiliar with myth and the power of myth, much less that story. So I went on. I was pregnant, I believe. And after my initiatory experience through labor and birth, uh, cesarean birth and kind of birth shock, I was um, I was really lost. And I tried to talk to different people, midwives or therapists or I can groups and nobody really understood what my question was um, or how to help me understand what just happened to me and who I was because of this experience. And I was very depressed. I cried every day. And in my earnest search for meaning about what what happened and how did it happen, one day I had this thought. I said, Anana. Oh my God, I'm in the underworld. I'm on a hook. I think the way out is to follow in Anana's footsteps. And I didn't even know what that meant, but that's what I started doing. I started to think about the myth and try to imitate in my life, in my mind, in my process, what she did, what the story meant, and, and I found the meaning. I found, I found, um, if you will, the, the some people call it the um, post-traumatic growth or the the logos, the meaning of that gave my life purpose from having that experience, that initiatory experience. And oh, and then I started 
to just out of curiosity, started looking up the symbols in the myth, and I started learning about how myths work. And when I was when I was flying, uh, even when I was flying around teaching birthing from within, I was always on the plane reading about mythology or or symbology or numerology and and or Sumer. And how did this myth actually? What did it actually mean when it was given to us? And then I started teaching it to my moms in childbirth class, and then I started teaching it to my students when I was uh, teaching childbirth uh, mentoring. And I found that everybody related to this story, and it became an inner map of them just as it had for me. Yeah, it is such a beautiful inner map, and I think it is super pertinent to those that are going through a birth journey, but it also can apply to anyone that is just going through a journey of healing and um, or just the journey of life, because in life we always have to make a descent into the underworld and find our way back up through into life again. Um, and so today we're going to have um, Pam share the beautiful story of Anana's descent into the underworld and then her ascent um, up into normal life again, her life as the queen of heaven and earth. And then we will have another podcast where we go over basically how what can we take from the story and that symbolization that symbolization of um the beautiful meanings in this story so with that said we're going to dive into that story right now Today I'm going to tell you the epic story of Inanna's descent and initiation. This ancient myth about a warrior queen's heroic journey was recorded on clay tablets over 4,000 years ago in Sumer, which is now Iraq. Great stories are maps showing us how we got here and how to get from here to there. And because the story of Inanna's descent parallels a modern woman's inner journey during a childbearing year, it offers us the perfect story map. My name is Pam England, and I've been enamored with this story for over three decades. It's one of my inner maps. Now, this first recording is the story of Anana's call, preparation, and descent. The story of her return will be told in part two. Anana was a woman of power. She was a warrior, a poet, the wife of Demuzi, and the mother of two sons. She was the beloved princess of seven temples. One day, Anana began to hear a call from the great below. From the great above, she opened her ear to the great below. Anana turned her mind to the great below. At first, she tried to ignore the call, perhaps because, like most of us, she did not feel ready for the changes she sensed would follow. Or maybe she planned to do it later when the time was right. 
She told herself she had a lot of responsibilities. If I go to the great book below, who will manage the markets, lead the ceremonies, and bless the babies? But there's not just one call. You do not need to worry that you will miss your call. The invitation from love to love is continuous. The soul is ever inviting you to discover something you do not yet know, to do the thing you have not yet done, but were born to. Anana heard the call in the background during her busy day and in her night dreams, and finally, when she could no longer ignore her invitation, she answered yes, and instantly everything was set into motion. In preparation for her journey to the underworld, to her inner world, Anana's first task was to abandon her seven temples. In Sumer, temples or ziggurats as they were called then, were bustling community centers, farmers markets, and spiritual sanctuaries. It is not possible to continue managing all of the affairs of the upper world, working overtime, and also to make time to prepare for a life-changing initiation. And so Anana had to abandon her temples. In Uruk, Anana abandoned her white pillar temple to descend into the underworld. In Bhatibira, she abandoned her temple to descend to the inner world. Inanna renounced her temples in Zabalam, Agab, Nippur, Kish, and Akkad. And when Anana turned away from the seventh temple, her mind's eye turned inward and the temples disappeared. Anana's next task was to gather her seven royal warrior Maida. The ancient words may or Maida refer to the garments, accessories, and accoutrements that let others know that Anana is a warrior queen. And as Anana prepared herself, she arranged her hair and put on her gold crescent moon earrings. She placed the tall crown of the Shugara on her head, a crown adorned with the horns of the wild bull that reached high for heaven. Her crown represents power, strength, divinity, and Anana is poised, balancing that heavy crown on her head. She tied a string of lapis lazuli beads around her neck. Lapis was worn only by royalty in ancient Sumer. Its deep blue color is the color of the third eye of wisdom. It is the color of darkness made visible and represents our encounter with the dark feminine. To protect her heart, she binds around her chest the warrior breastplate that she shaped with her own hands upon which to show her bravado and taunt her foes. She wrote her battle cry, Come, man, come. And she draped her body in her royal robe woven with camel wool 
dyed plum red and trimmed in gold and white geometric patterns. Over her wrist, Inanna slipped a gold bracelet, an heirloom passed down through generations of strong women. Her gold bracelet is much more than an accessory. It is a reminder that her true self is malleable. Like gold, her soul can be hammered thin without breaking. As a queen and a priestess, Inanna practiced divine justice. This is represented by the royal lapis ring and measuring rod she holds in her hand. It represents her power of discernment and measured wisdom and her power to rule her attention and awareness. Just then, Ninjabur, her faithful maidservant, arrived in time to gently paint Anana's eyes with coal, which is eyeshadow. Her maidservant gently applied the blue-black coal with a carved ivory pen. With each stroke over her left eye, Anana prayed to see beyond the darkness. And with each stroke over her right eye, he prayed for a glimpse of the Great Mother. Nichabur is Anana's faithful maidservant. Her name means Queen of the East. They fought side by side in battle, and now Ninjabur is her confidant, her advisor. And seeing Inanna dressed for a great journey, Ninjabur asked, Inanna, where are you going dressed like this? I am going to the underworld, to the unknown. What are you thinking, Inanna? You know that no one returns unchanged or unscathed. If something happens to you, I shall feel responsible that I did not dissuade you, because if this dissent changes you, our cherished relationship will change. You don't have to do this. Don't take the risk. Anana listened to Ninchabur's heartfelt pleas to not do the thing that Ninchabur was not called to do herself. Anana also knew that this journey would take her into terra incognita, into the unknown. And as a warrior, Anana knew that she could be tested within her last ounce of strength, and that there's a limit to human endurance, so she could not leave finishing her rite of passage to chance. And so she made a plan with Ninchabur. I must go, Ninchabur, and you cannot go with me. And yet, because you care for me so deeply, it is to you I entrust the task of ensuring my return. Watch the sun and the moon, and if I do not return in three days and three nights, put on your cloth of grieving and beat the drum around the temples. Gather the people to call me back from the underworld. And then go to each of the three elders and tell them what has happened until one agrees to rescue me. Knowing that you have my back will allow me to be more fearless in the underworld and to cross thresholds I might 
otherwise hesitate to cross for fear no one would know to come to my aid. And so it was agreed. Ninjabur returned to her life in Sumer, and Inanna walked away from her life as she had known it. Her initiation began. On the threshold of the ordeal, do not think so much, do not calculate, just begin. Do not hesitate. Begin. Don't look back. Take one step forward and then another. With the preparations complete, Anana goes to the underworld, her inner world. She enters the unknown. By and by, Anana comes to a gate. She knocks. A voice behind the gate calls out. It is Bidu, the gatekeeper, whose name means to open in Sumerian. In ancient stories, gatekeepers guard the treasure within, and they prepare and test the initiate on the threshold to ensure she's ready to receive it. So he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Queen Inanna. I am a warrior, a poet, the wife of Demutsi, and priestess of seven temples. Let me in. Ah, not so fast, Anana. Why have you come to this place from which no one returns unchanged? I am answering an invitation. Bidu opens the first gate, and as Anana steps across the threshold, Without saying a word, the gatekeeper lifts the crown from her head held high. She protests, give it back. Bidu responds, you will not be needing your tall crown in this place. Trying to balance this crown will just throw you off balance. Inanna, the ways of the underworld are ancient, tried, and true. We do not bargain in this realm. In crossing this first threshold, you have left your ordinary world behind. The rules and decorum of the upper world do not always apply here. With your footprints on the threshold as your signature, you are agreeing to abide in the heart and in the mystery of life and birth. Be on your way. So Anana follows the path until she comes to a second gate and she knocks. Bidu asks Anana again, Who are you? Why has your heart led you on a path from which no one returns unchanged or unscathed? Nana repeats again that she is a queen, a warrior, a poet, a wife, mother, and priestess of seven temples. In the same way that a modern woman on this journey in labor might answer Bidu by saying, 
I am 39 plus two weeks gestation. I am trained in such and such childbirth preparation method. I am informed by the crown of the seven books I carry on my head. My hematocrit is 37, and I carry this three-page birth plan. Follow my plan and let me in. In due time, Bidu opens the gate, and as Anana rushes through, the gatekeeper takes from her the mother blessing bead tied around her neck. Again she protests, What is this? Give them back! Bidu reminds her that the ways of the underworld, the inner journey, are ancient. She may not bargain. And so Anana continued walking. She went down, down, down to the left and down, a sharp turn to the right. Anana slogged through mud. Initiations in the underworld, it turns out, are really messy. And finally she comes to the third gate. And she knocks. Now, Upon their return, initiates describe passing through a gate of great doubt, often a great, a gate of great mercy, often one of despair, and almost always the gate of holy terror before they reach the threshold of infinite love. You may know that you will come to gates and cross thresholds during your initiation. But there's no way of you knowing when the gates will show up or how many there might be or in what order the gates will present themselves. It's just not something you can plan for or control. Bidu asked her again, Anana, who are you? And out of habit, Anana begins to recite her past. Bidu interrupts her and says, Don't tell me about your resume in the upper world. Who are you here and now? Show me. And Anana, the pilgrim, slowly beginning to realize that her past accomplishments and assertive demands do not impress Vidu. He has heard it all before, and he is not persuaded, even by her impressive resume. He knows he cannot just unbolt the gate and give her a pass before she is ready. In due time, he opens the gate and she passes the third threshold. Bidu takes her warrior breastplate and whispers to her, Unguard your heart, Inanna. Now Inanna, the initiate, is discovering that the strategy she wielded in the upper world to get her way 
do not seem to be working so very well in the underworld. Thirsty and tired and disoriented, and Nana moves slowly through the labyrinthine twists and turns. Sometimes the path stretches open and becomes easy for a time. And then a boulder appears, or a stream. She must climb over or wade through puddles to keep going. Now there is more than one way to cross thresholds. One may trip over, leap over. Passage is hard, uncertain work. Many pilgrims fall asleep at the threshold. But this gives soul time to grow great determination. Beta waits patiently while soul grows in this kind of sleep between worlds. It is part of the rite of passage to pause, to rest, but do not retreat. Rather, let the thing you fear retreat. The crossing of thresholds often requires deep listening. and the strength to reach deep, deep down, to connect with some forgotten resource within, or maybe with the ancestors or holies. The fourth gate, the fifth, and the sixth gate, the ritual of crossing the threshold was the same. Inanna knocked, and Bidu asked, Who are you? Who are you? Why have you come to this place from which you will not return unchanged? And gate by gate, Anana said less and less about her past. She was entering the deep part, the wordless sensory level of initiation and labor land. And at each gate, a compassionate gatekeeper simply took one thing of value, her moon earrings, her golden bracelet, her royal robe woven with camel wool. In the ancient story, Bidu, the gatekeeper, never and never asks Anana for permission to take her maida. He never allows her to bargain or to choose what would be taken. And so it is in a rite of passage. The further and deeper Anana went down the labyrinthine path, the walls became closer and the ceiling lower. In the belly of the underworld it is dark, Anana complained. Bidu said, It's dark in here, you say? A torch? You want a torch? No, no, you will not need a torch. Learn to see with your inner eye. See with your whole body-mind. And so Anana did. In the darkness, her hands felt her way through. Using all her senses, she lost track of time. 
There was no time in love, in soul. She had no idea where she was on the map or how close to finishing she was. Anana walked another thousand steps, and so it went. Gate by gate, she considered, indeed, who am I? Who am I without my warrior, Maida, my priestess, Maida, my plans? Who am I? The queen was not a queen in the underworld. She was not a priestess in the underworld, not even a poet. She was just another pilgrim, disrobed, naked, and humbled. Stripped of everything she identified with, there was one thing that Bidu could not take from her, and that was her fierce determination to know herself, to love herself without condition. The last gate, low to the ground, she had to get on her hands and knees and crawl through a very narrow passage. And when she cleared, she entered the heart of the underworld the deepest chamber. She entered the innermost chamber, the temple of love, and sees beyond seeing itself. She sees the one who has been calling her all along. In the ancient story, it is Inanna's sister, queen of the earth, Ereshkigal. But in your journey, it might be, it might be your sister, Ereshkigal, which is what Joseph Campbell called doing the one forbidden thing. That might be what this was all about for you, doing the one forbidden thing, doing or saying something you have avoided or judged in others or thought you would never do. Who? Who will be the one calling you? It could be an ancestor, a spiritual teacher, It could be your baby calling and calling to you, waiting for its birth. In the epic poem, what happens next is startling. Upon seeing the one who called her on this journey, Anana dies. It's a sudden death. Unexpected. No bargaining again. Just dies. Now, during a heroic journey or rite of passage, the hero always dies a little death anyway, not a physical death, or the journey would be over too soon. When the woman looks into the eyes of her newborn for the first time, seeing her child and being seen by her child, a profound love awakens in her. A love so profound, it causes a great and sudden shock to her whole being. And a psychic and physical transfiguration begins. In a rite of passage, there must be a little death. It is a little death, but it is a lasting one. In childbirth, one could say it is the psychic death of the innocent woman or the maiden, 
Something must die before there can be rebirth. So the maiden must, must die to give, to allow the mother to be born. And at first, the new mother is a child mother who will later, over time, mature into a more experienced, all but complex mother. And so it's also true for a man or a partner who witnesses the birth of a child. He is undergoing transformation too. This, this transformation leads to the birth of the father or the other mother. Now this concludes part one of the Inanna story and the telling of Inanna's call, preparation, and journey to the underworld. Thank you for listening to this beautiful episode and the story of Inanna's descent into the underworld. This is the first episode of a four-part series. In the next episode, we will review the symbols in this story and how you can learn to apply the lessons to your life. If you are personally going through a descent, and a descent could look like a faith journey, a struggle with depression, facing your shadow self, a difficult, unexpected experience, or the transition from maiden to mother, whatever the situation, this story applies. In the third episode, we will hear the story of Inanna and her ascent out of the underworld and how she makes her return home. And in the fourth episode, we will break into that story and we will review the symbols there and how you can learn into and how you can learn to step into your life fully embodied as someone that has faced the goddess of the underworld. Someone who's died and been resurrected as a new person with wisdom, having conquered and learned from your experiences. This truly is a map for your journey in a modern day world where we all have hard things to face. And by facing those hard things, we go through an initiation and we can come out of that initiation with wisdom and something beautiful to offer the world. I hope that these episodes will help you cope and imp- and learn important lessons on your journey of initiation in your experiences. If you have enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. And if you haven't yet, please leave us a review wherever you listen. If you'd like to support the episode, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a monthly donation at anchor.fm forward slash in her image. Tune in next time for another inspiring episode.